Thank you, Lord. There you go. Father, we thank you, Lord, and praise you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, and praise you for your provision that you're bringing into this house, that you continue to bring in, Lord God, Lord, in our, in our hearts, Lord, in our families, in our lives, in our jobs. Lord God, we pray that you would increase, Lord God, and I pray that we would decrease, Lord God, that we would give you full reins of everything we have and everything we are, Lord Jesus. And I just thank you for each person that's here. I pray your blessings upon them. I pray your blessings on their finances. I pray that you would bless them abundantly, Lord God. Give them a blessing that's overflowing, pressed down, Lord God, and running over. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Here, you got to get out of there. Close the door. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. So, this week we're going to have prayer meeting again here. <laughs> we're going to try it again. Amen. Wednesday night at 7. Wednesday at 7. There you go. They're good, hon. She's good. She's turned. She's <laughs> like a mother. All right. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. Let's, Lord, I pray that, Lord, this sermon, Lord God, this message you gave me, this word would touch the hearts. Of those that are here today, Lord God, I pray that you would open up our ears, open up our eyes to see, hear, and receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen? amen. All right, the title of my sermon is called, Jesus Calms the Storm. Jesus Calms the Storm. Amen. Think about that. You know, I got, uh, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, I'm going to be reading from, sharing from. But I want to sh- just, I want you to get this in your spirit. Jesus calms the storm. Those four words are so true to have. Because you see, we have storms all around us. Today, with all the protests going on. And you know what? Last night, I just they just shared that it's going on not just in our nation, but it's all over the world now. Protests are going on all over the world. It's global. There's so much more going on in the world right now than we can see with our own eyes and that we can hear with our own ears. There's way more going on in the world right now than what we see on TV and what we hear. 
That's why we need to be praying for our eyes to be opened and our ears to be opened. We're in a spiritual battle. There is a spiritual realm out there right now that is causing havoc in the world. And it's the powers, the principalities of darkness, the rulers of air that we need to be praying against and coming against. But I wanted to tell you that Jesus calms the storm. It's so true. Jesus calms the storm. Let's say it together. Jesus calms the storm. Matthew, chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went on and woke him. Lord, save us. We are going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Think about this. Jesus was asleep. The disciples were in full-blown panic mode. Isn't that like the world is right now? Full-blown panic mode? Think about the old storms in your own lives. In your own hearts that are brewing, even right now. These were seasoned fishermen. They fished this lake in these seas before. They knew that when storms come up, they can handle waves six, seven feet. But this was a furious storm, one like they've never seen before. Isn't it like what we see right now on TV? Something like we've never seen before since the 1960s. Has anything like this ever happened? Boy, how many times have I said that? since we've started preaching in this church. I've never seen anything like this before. That should be recorded at least five times or to a dozen times. There's, we're living in a day and age that is all new territory. But I'm going to tell you, it's the same storm that rages, and it's the storm of good and evil. That battles on, and it's been battling on for millennials. And what's going on right now is a crescendo. It's like at the end of your fireworks. On the 4th of July, 
And it's the very last of them, and they all go up, and it's a big, huge display. That's what's going on right now, and that's all the enemy is, is a bunch of smoke and fireworks. And if you don't believe it, just watch the TV, because that's what the protesters are using as fireworks. <laughs> Maybe it's time for us in our own lives, because what is it? In that, in that reading right there, what did the disciples do? They went up and they woke up Jesus, didn't they? And I wrote down here, maybe it's time for us to wake up Jesus in our own lives. Maybe it's time to wake up Jesus. Maybe it's time to take the authority over the winds and the waves. Huh? Maybe it's time. It's past time. Past time. Maybe it's time to wake up Jesus. After all, Jesus is the storm calmer. He's the only one that can calm this storm. He's the only one that can calm the storm that's in you. In your hearts, in your minds, there's only power in one name, and it's Jesus. But one thing Jesus said to his disciples before he left this earth, to sit at the right hand of the Father, he said, all authority has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples out of nations. I give you authority and power is what Jesus is saying. And in Luke chapter 10, verses 19, he says, I have given you authority to trample on the snakes and the scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. And when Jesus said all the power, that's all the power, precisely that. All is all. Nothing will harm you, he said. I'm going to tell you. So you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid of these storms. You don't need to be afraid of smoke and mirrors. That rage. Because you have to take authority over them because you have been given the authority. You just got to take it over them. And it first starts in our own minds, in our own hearts. It's where it starts. Because I'm going to tell you what, the devil looks for fear. The devil looks for fear, a little bitty hint of it. He's like a dog that can smell it. And you know what happens when a dog smells fear on somebody? Then the dog gets more aggressive. Because the dog is now taking the authority. You can't smell like fear. You got to smell like power. You got to smell like sound mind. You got to smell like authority. All these storms in life, we have the authority. Through Jesus to take control over. 
And I'm going to tell you, every one of us here will have some kind of storm to face in their life. Whether it's one you see on TV, but every one of us here has gone through storms in our lives. We've been through storms. We go through storms. You will go through storms. It's how you react in those storms that will define you. You know, I wrote, when I wrote that down, I was amazed that I, I even thought of that. <laughs> that how you react, because it wasn't even me thinking of it. It's, it's Jesus speaking through me, putting in my thoughts. It's how you react in those storms. It's how you will be defined. And there's hope, even if you react wrong, because there's always Jesus. Amen? There's always Jesus. So if you have a wrong reaction, just repent of it and get it right. I'll give you an example of my own life. I would react in my natural way out of anger. Sometimes out of violence. Because I wasn't taught how to handle storms properly. A lot of us growing up, we don't know how to handle storms. We don't know how to handle things when they come against us in our lives. We don't know how to handle situations that are tough. Because we weren't taught, a lot of us weren't taught how to do it. And some of us here were taught very well how to handle storms. We're taught very well who the storm, storm calmer was and is. But some of us have not been taught that. I was never taught that. I didn't have that coping skill to call on Jesus when I was a heathen because I didn't know who Jesus was. And I didn't know how to calm the storms in my own life. I, would, I had to learn how to handle things myself. And I tell you, that's the hard way to learn. That's the long road. And I suggest nobody to go down those storms. And it's even after I met Jesus that it still took some time to get it right. Because I had to, I had to get rid of some bad habits that I had. I had to get rid of things on how I could not handle how I handle situations wrongly. I had to turn all that over to Jesus, and I had to learn how to do that. And it didn't just happen overnight. It took time. My wife will attest to that. <laughs> Even when I met Jesus, it took time for him to teach me. And let me tell you, he's still teaching me. Still teaching me every day. I'm still learning. I am not all knowing. Only Jesus is all knowing. This relationship I have with Jesus is an ongoing one. It's an ongoing relationship. And that's how our relationship with Jesus should be. 
an ongoing relationship. And it's just like he spent three years teaching the disciples. They're fast learners compared to me. It's taken me 25 years. And I still don't know it all. (laughs) Sometimes I have to watch out. I have to watch myself so I don't go backward and get into the natural man again. I have to wake up Jesus in me, right? Just like you'd have to wake up Jesus in you. Isaiah said this about the storms. Isaiah said this about the storms. In Isaiah 43, 2, it says, When you pass through waters, listen, what did he say? When you pass through waters, he didn't say if you pass through waters. He said when. That means you are going to have to pass through waters. That means you're going to have to pass through some storms. He didn't say if you pass through waters. It's when you pass through waters. He said, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I'm going to tell you something what fire does. Fire burns everything in pure way, and it leaves nothing but purity left. That's how they do, that's how they refine gold. Refiner's fire, that's where they get that from. Because it burns out all the dross, all the impurities, and it leaves a nice bar of gold there left. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not be able to set you ablaze. I want to tell you that our country is in a storm. And you know, I've learned this from the Weather Channel. That low pressure, when that millibars drop low, that means the storm is getting stronger. It's greater. That low pressure sometimes starts to build and build and it gathers other low pressures, like hurricanes, and they gain strength. And a lot of times now, I watch the millibars. Are they dropping? Are they dropping? Because that means the storm is getting stronger. Well, this low pressure that's been brewing over our country has been brewing for a long time. It actually started millennials ago. Racism isn't, isn't anything new. Racism has, is thousands of years old. And I'm going to tell you what, racism will still be with us. Right to the very end, until Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom on earth. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of bad actors out there. Just like in the spiritual realm, the devil's got all his minions out there. And what is he doing? He's feeding fuel on the fire. Just like it's exactly what we see in these protests. You got a lot of bad actors out there that are feeding fuel on the fire, that are pushing it farther and farther and farther. 
But we have nothing to fear. Isaiah 41.10 says this, So do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And you know what I believe? I believe what is going to come out of all of this is a great awakening. We've been hearing about it for a long time. The great awakening. The revival of the church of the last days. I believe there's going to be a great revival coming out of this. Because just like it was when Jesus calmed the storm, where did he go after that? He went to the, uh, the Gerenes. And who was at the Gerenes? Wild men, they said. That were demon-possessed. That were living in tombs. Kind of sounds like some of our spiritual lives, doesn't it? <laughs> Demon-possessed and we're living in tombs. We're dead. Church is dead and needs to wake up. Wake up, Jesus. Because all it takes is Jesus to step his foot on the ground. And then the demons will come running. And they be crying out. Because we're Jesus, every place Jesus walked, he had authority. Everywhere Jesus went, he had authority, and we have it too. Open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 8. I want to read it to you. Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. This just happened right after Jesus calmed the storm. Luke chapter 8, 26 through 39. It says that they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee, when Jesus stepped ashore. I like that. I highlighted that. You know, when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town for a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. Isn't that funny? demon-possessed man knew who Jesus was, didn't he? The disciples were still trying to figure out who this man was when he crossed the sea, that the wind and the waves obey him. Literally, that just, that just happened probably a few hours ago. They were amazed. Who is this man in our boat who can calm the seas? But as soon as Jesus stepped ashore, that demon-possessed man knew exactly who he was. Those demons... Know exactly who Jesus is. And they are deathly afraid of him because he can cast them into the pit of hell forever, into the eternal abyss 
of burning and gnashing of teeth. He said, don't torture me, Jesus, son of the most high God. What do you want with me? What have I done? For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of that man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demons into his solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. See, what did I say? Not to go into the abyss. Lord heard of pigs were feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. I heard the number of those pigs were thousands. Of pigs. Can you imagine that? Having thousands of demons inside of you. Those tending the pigs saw what had happened. They ran off and they reported it. This in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They were afraid. You know why they were afraid? Because this man terrorized that whole town. Nobody could go out there. He'd probably whip them all. And they were like, they're just as afraid as probably the disciples were when Jesus calmed the storm. Who is this man that can cast out these many demons in this guy? We all knew this is not the same man who ran around naked, running through the tombs. Those who had seen him told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and he left. But what did he do? The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. Think about that. Revival started in the Gerenes by one man who was demon-possessed, who was delivered. And he went out and he spread the whole gospel to the whole town of what Jesus had done. And I believe that is what's going to happen in this time. That revival is going to break out in the church. When all these protests, everything is all over. I believe it. Because I believe Jesus is going to stand on the scene soon. The churches are going to wake up. And his foot is going to step down from heaven. And it's going to step on one side of the mountain and on the other side. What it says in the book of Revelation. Jesus is coming. 
Revival's coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? We got to get through these storms. And how we get through these storms is that we rely on that single name. Jesus. J-E-S-U-S. Jesus. When all else fails, you just cry out Jesus. When those storms come, you just cry out Jesus. Because you know what? Revival is coming. Revival is coming. And the church is going to be awakened. So it's time we wake up Jesus. Isn't it? It's time that we shake, shake each other and say, Jesus, get up. It's time to wake up Jesus. There's a storm. But Jesus is the calmer of the storm. You might have storms brewing in your heart right now. There's a, there's a calmer for you, and his name is Jesus. You're going through things that are hard right now, and you can't understand why. Just call on the name of Jesus. He'll see you through. He'll get you to the other side. And on the other side, there's a revival waiting. It might not look like it now, but we got to have eyes like Jesus. we got to have ears like Jesus. Jesus knew that man was over there. That's why he went there. He went there and he saved that one man. It's like he says, he leaves the 99 to go after one, right? And then he knew that one man's testimony would change the whole town. Amen? Amen. I know my wife wants to take communion, so I'm going to close with number 6, 24 through 26. So let's all stand up and pray. I know we got the elements out there. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, and I praise you for this day. And I pray, Lord God, that anything that, Lord, is not of you, Lord Jesus, that you, Lord God, would remove. But anything that's of you, Lord God, I pray that we would have it in our hearts, in our minds. Lord, I pray that we would have the calmer, the storm calmer inside us. Greater is he who is inside you than he who is in the world. And I believe that, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would bless us and that you would keep us. Lord, that you would make your face shine upon us and that you would give us and be gracious to us, and that you would turn your face toward us, and that you would give us peace. I pray this, Lord God, with all my heart, and I pray that you would bless your people today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen? Amen. All right, let's all gather around over here by the communion thing, and my wife will do communion. Right here, stay where you are. Everybody holding their cups okay? Okay, let's just, one of the things that I want to do this morning is um, before we actually partake of the communion, um, I'm going to read a little scripture, and then we're just going to take just a minute to uh, just have a quiet time before the Lord. What I want us to think about again is... The Last Supper, 
when Jesus knew it was the last time he would be with his disciples that he had been with for several years, every day training them and putting his life into them. And as I was thinking about communion this morning, one of the things that he said to them when he was going to have communion that made them think, he said, one of you here are going to betray me tonight. And we know it was Judas who betrayed Jesus. But Jesus didn't say who it was going to be. He wanted them to all think. He wanted them to look inside. Because one of the things the Lord always makes clear to us is it's what is in our heart. It's not even what we do. Because we're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall. We're going to, you know, we're not perfect. It's what's in our hearts. And we need to look to Jesus because when he gave himself on the cross for us and he shed his blood, he, he provided a promise for us. His blood when it was shed, when it was dripping down his body, when it was coming out of his head, he provided for us. He did that for you and me today. He provided, he shed that blood. Think of it. Close your eyes for a minute, and I just want you to picture Jesus. I just want you to picture him on that cross in your mind. I want you to see him there. And every drop of blood that he shed, there was a purpose. And it was for you today. It was for your healing. It was for your deliverance from an enemy who would try to get you. It was for your prosperity. It was for your salvation that you would be with him forever in his kingdom. And when he was at the Last Supper, he said to his disciples, he, he took the bread and he took the wine. And I can just imagine the, what, the truth that he wanted to give them when he said, do this in remembrance of me. Do this. Take that bread and think of my body broken for you. He said, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. Eagerly. Father, we just, we just lift this bread up to you this morning. We lift the bread that you passed out to your disciples. We lift it where you said, here is my body broken for you. Let's break the bread in our fingers and let's eat together as they did at the Last Supper. Let's partake.
Jesus. Lord, as we eat this bread that was broken for us, as we eat it, we pray for healing, healing to take place. Your body broken for our healing. Your body broken that we would be healed as we partake. And we pray for those this morning we know who need healing. And if you know someone who needs healing this morning, I just want you to pray it and say it. Just bring up their names and ask the Lord to heal them physically, spiritually, mentally. Lord, let your healing take place through your servants here this morning. And Lord, you took the cup and you said, you said to your disciples that this was the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. It was poured out for you. It was poured out for us. Lord, we just take this cup of your blood and we ask that as we drink, Father, that your blood would pour over us forgiveness, love, salvation, redemption. And that as we receive it, we would give it. Let us partake together. And Father, just lift up one hand if you can. Lift up a hand to the Lord. He's your Father. He loves you. Let him, let his love fill you. Father, we just pray and we thank you for this provision of your body and your blood that you have given to us for our healing, for our cleansing, for our redemption. We look to you, Jesus, for this week. We look to you and we, we agree together as a body, as your body, Christ's body, that, Lord, we would glorify you by turning our hearts to you this week, this day, every day. Remind us, Lord, remind us by your Holy Spirit. It's important to you because you said, remember, remember. That means we have to get our minds on you, Jesus. And we thank you for the, your, your body and your blood. We thank you for the new covenant. And everyone in this body said, Amen. And God bless you. And let that Holy Spirit just work in your life this week. Um, if anyone needs prayer, we want to pray with you. If anyone needs prayer, just come on up and we'll lay hands on you for whatever. And we love you all so much. God bless.